I want to invite your attention to the book of uh, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, and I want to thank uh, your pastor, Brother Marshall, for inviting us to come, and I don't take that lightly that he would uh, invite us to come and to preach the Word of God to you, and I'm, I'm very thankful to see many new faces here. That's a blessing, amen? All the new faces, praise the Lord for that. It's a good sign of a, of a live, uh, growing church, so praise the Lord for that. Well, we're going to begin reading in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to make our way through Revelation chapter 22. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding about that. Uh, but we will begin in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, God is good. God is is good. So let's ask the Lord for his help this morning. Father, we sure are very thankful for this opportunity today. We thank you for this gathering of wonderful people. They've come today because they want to hear from you. They want to hear from you. And so, Lord, we're asking for the enabling to say what you once said here today. And God, I pray that you would give freedom and liberty to just preach as you would have it to be. Lord, we uh, again ask that you'd help us, Lord, to focus upon you. We have so many cares in, in, our, in our lives anymore. Lord, would you help us to set those cares aside for the next few very short moments that we have together. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The first chapter of Genesis is one of the most God-centered chapters In the Bible, God is mentioned by name 32 times in 31 verses. And if you add to that the personal pronouns, 43 times in those verses. So on the first, on the very first page of Scripture, the Holy Spirit brings us into the very presence of God and He keeps us there for a while. No wonder Satan hates this chapter. No wonder he has brought out his heavy artillery through the years to discredit this chapter in the minds of men and women. If we abandon Genesis chapter 1, if you think about it as being unfactual or unreliable, as mere mythology, as totally unacceptable to modern science, then Satan has won. You see, God and Creation have to go hand in hand, right? Amen? They have to go hand in hand. And if there is a creation, there must be a creator. And if the Holy Spirit cannot be trusted when he tells us of creation, how can he be trusted when he tells us of salvation? And if what he says about the earth in Genesis chapter 1 can be questioned, then what he says about heaven in Revelation 22 has to be questioned as well. 
And if the Holy Spirit cannot be trusted in Genesis 1-1, He certainly cannot be trusted in John chapter 3 and verse 16. And so the importance of Genesis chapter 1 is emphasized by the constant use of a significant figure of speech, the polysyndeton. It is used many times in the King James Bible by the multiple use of the word and. If you count up the ands in Genesis chapter 1, there are almost 100 of them in the one chapter. It's usually considered to be improper to have more than one conjunction in a sentence, but not so in the Bible, not here in Genesis chapter 1. The purpose was to slow us down as we read this chapter and draw our attention to each and every phrase or word that's joined together. And the purpose was to weigh each word and phrase and that he's writing to us in very precise language. No doubt God knew the importance of this chapter for all of time and for all of eternity, it would be a defining chapter in all of history. The significance of this chapter is seen in the very first verse. The first verse alone is enough to amaze each and every one of us. Think about it. In the beginning, God. We could stop there and we could be amazed from now and forever. In this opening statement of Scripture, no attempt is made to water down or to apologize to a skeptical age, even to prove that God is. The Holy Spirit simply deems certain truths to be self-evident, the first and the foremost, that God is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's not a question. That's a statement. And we believe that. In one statement, he sweeps aside atheism by asserting his existence. He sweeps aside polytheism by declaring himself to be one God. And pantheism by separating himself from the matter which he creates. This chapter would in time be the most scrutinized chapter of all. But there's something else that I really want us to focus on in this chapter, and that is the word good. The word good. It's used seven times in regards to the acts of creation, to what God has done in this chapter. Verse 31 tells us that everything God made was good. Everything that God made was good. And you know the reason why it was good? Because God is good. God is good. Think about that. God is good, absolutely good. It is impossible for him to do anything that's bad. The imprint of his goodness lies in all that he has done. The the imprint of his goodness lies in all of creation. God's way of doing things is always good. It is man's ways that cause things to be bad. Isn't that right? It is man's ways that messes everything up, but God does good because he is good. And never doubt the fact that our God is a good God. He is such a good God. God's original intent and his present desire is good. Good. 
All good comes from God. And we know that James chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. In Psalm 84 and verse number 11, the Bible says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Uh, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I am so thankful for that. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 25 says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Can you imagine if an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God was bad? We would all be in so much trouble. Andrew especially. He would be in so much trouble. Can I... Hear an amen on that? Amen. But Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil. I just want you to know today that God loves you and God cares about you. And his original intent and his present desire is for your good. He will never let you down. He will never, he will never let you down. God is faithful. And never forget that he is good. Do we really believe that God is good? Do we really believe that? If so, I believe it would change our lives. It would change our lives. The divine nature of God is to do us good, not bad. God is not up there looking over the balcony of heaven, just waiting for Brett to mess up. That's not the God that we serve. He's not waiting for you to make a mistake so he can send a lightning bolt to get your attention. That's not the God that we serve. In fact, our God is cheering us on. He's rooting for us. He's hoping for us. He's making intercession for us. He longs to shower us with his blessings and with his goodness and with amazing things that when he has done them, we'll say, boy, only God could do that. We serve such a wonderful, wonderful, good God. The divine divine default nature of God is to do us good. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 5 says, The blind receive their sight and the lame walk, and lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Listen, when Jesus walked upon this earth doing all of those things, he did not do those things because he was a politician trying to get elected to office. He did those things because he's good. And he cares about you. He cares about his creation. Isaiah 61 and verse 1, the Bible tells us God's desire is to preach good tidings unto the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. That is the God that we serve. He is so good. So good. God demonstrates his goodness in Genesis chapter 1. His very nature is on display in Genesis chapter 1. For instance, number one, God brought goodness to darkness. 
He brought goodness to darkness. Look in verse number two again. It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So we see, first of all, that God brought goodness to darkness. God basically said, light be, and light was. Nobody, even today, can really tell us exactly what light is. I mean, there may be some scientific terms and some observations that we can make, but we really don't fully and completely understand exactly what light is. If we could understand that, uh, more power to you. They've been trying to figure it out for a long time. One thing we do know for certain, though, even though it is one of the most mysterious entities in all of the universe, one thing we do know for certain in our scripture today is that it is good. I don't know. I'm thankful for light. I don't know about you, but I'm, if we didn't have light, if the light just disappeared right now, we, it would be a mess. I, I have to make a confession. I'm scared of the dark. I'm, I mean, terrible, ugly, bad things happen in the dark. There are boogeymen in the dark. I, I, I'm serious. I mean that. There are bad things happen in the dark, especially inside a church building at nighttime. I mean, really weird, weird things happen in a church building at nighttime. But, but I'm scared of the dark. I, I, I remember as a little boy growing up in, in uh, south central Indiana, kind of the hilly country and, uh, where it starts getting hilly. And, and uh, we had some timber, a lot of timber, uh, uh, not far from where our house was, where I grew up. And, and, and I played out in the woods all the time. And I remember... I remember one time I was playing, just having a good time, and it was getting dark. And I realized, oh, my goodness, it's getting dark. And so I took off to try to get home, to, and I had a bunch of timber I had to run through in order to get home. I was trying to see the path, and then, man, it was dark all of a sudden, and you wouldn't believe all the terrible things that were going on. I want you to know that every, every single evergreen tree, every single cedar tree was Bigfoot. I mean, that was back in the 70s when Bigfoot was a big deal and the movies were coming out and, and those eerie movies. You, some of you older people, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm telling you, every single one of those evergreen trees was Bigfoot standing there. And I want you to know I'm, I, I was scarred for life. Scarred for life. I do not like the dark. Light is good. That's God. That's Him. I just, he's just trying to show us how good He really is. And we take light for granted, don't we? We just assume it's going to be there every day. God is good. The word good can also be translated beautiful. In uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11, it's the same word is translated uh, as light. It says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. The same word for, 
for uh, light. You see, God brought beauty into a very grim and gloomy world. When he created, at first it was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. It was a very dark, gloomy place. And then God brought his goodness into that. And to begin with, it was his light. It was just himself. Right? It was just his own presence. He brought light into the world. And it wasn't later until, until the fourth day we find that he then created the sun. That was the greater light, right? And then he created the moon. That was the lesser light to rule the night. And, and, and something that's amazing to me, I, I just can't get over this. In five words, he said, and he made the stars. And he made the stars also. Five words. And he, it's like, he, he said, yeah, I made the sun and I made the moon. And uh, oh, by the way, and he made the stars also. I mean, in just five words, he flung all of those stars as far as man can see. And even further, he filled up the sky with stars. Stars that are bigger, much, much bigger than our earth. It's unbelievable. And he made the stars also. Could you imagine a world without the sun, the moon, and the stars? I'm just, we're talking about God's goodness. He brought his goodness into darkness. Light does not, and I think it's important to see that, that light changed everything. Light changed everything. He brought beauty to something that was without form and void. And, you know, light does not flee from darkness, but darkness flees from light. The light is much stronger than the darkness, right? I mean, we, we come in, we, we turn on the light switch, right? And the darkness has to flee. It has to flee. God created the light. Amen? You know, Brother, uh, Brother Joe back there, he's pretty amazing, but he doesn't have a dark switch back there. Hey, could you turn on the dark switch? You know, it's... It, listen, if you are living in the darkness of sin, I just want you to know that God can change your life. He wants to bring his goodness into your life. He can. He can completely change your life into something that is beautiful. He can make your life a beautiful thing, whereas it may be a tragedy right now and a lot of heartache and a lot of sorrow and a lot of trouble and a lot of regret, but he can change your life into a beautiful thing. He can. He wants to. He wants to so very badly. And did you know that darkness is the default mechanism of this world? It's that without God... It just goes to darkness. It is the default mechanism of the world. It's also the default mechanism of your life. And without God, you're filled with darkness. Amen? Filled with darkness. And, and so God wants to bring his goodness into your darkness. Uh, where sin did abound, the Bible says grace did much more abound. God's goodness much more abounds. I'm so thankful for that. So very thankful. 
And then the second thing that we see in this chapter is that God brought goodness to disorder. Look, look in verse number six with me. Verse number six. It says, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament under, uh, from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was, say it with me, good. So God brought his goodness to disorder, didn't he? The light revealed a chaos of tossing wet water and a vast and a shoreless sea, and no land raised its head above the heavy waves and the, and the smothering mist. And then God, he called for an atmosphere to be formed. And at once, two vast oceans appeared, and one above the other, and, and, or one above and one below, and with a big firmament in between, and a space, if you will, for the clouds and, uh, to congregate, a playground for all of the weather to take place. God did that. In terms of sheer mechanical engineering, the work of the second day of creation is astounding. The amount of vapor continually that is suspended in the air above us is estimated at 54,460,000,000,000 tons. I mean, there's a lot of water in this ocean that's up above us. There's an ocean above you, above us on this planet. And water is 773 times the weight of air. That gives us some idea of the power required to separate the waters from the waters. The supply of water above is maintained by what we call evaporation, right? It's the constant lifting of water from the earth into the atmosphere by the power of the sun that God created. And so here we have the sky and we have the clouds and we have a rain. We have the rain. What a beautiful thing that is. It's a wonderful thing. He then raised the continents and then he gathered or he gave boundaries to the waters and he brought order from disorder, didn't he? Because God is good. And so at this point we have the light and we have the earth. I mean from being without form and void and darkness, now we have light and the earth. Uh, or the land, the, the seas, the sky, the clouds. And, and then on the fourth day, he, he creates the sun, and he creates the moon, and, and, and he created the stars also. Unbelievable. But I want you to know, if your life seems disorderly and out of control and messed up and chaotic, you, you can be assured of one thing that he can and he wants to make a beautiful thing out of your life. God can bring order to your disorder if you'll let him. I mean, listen, look what he did here in, in Genesis. He did it on a much bigger scale. It would be nothing for him to bring order to your disorder. 
He's such a good God. If we'll just let him. If we'll just let him. Right? Remember when the prodigal, the prodigal son, remember when he got messed up in his head, in his thinking, and he decided, I want what belongs to me, and I don't want dad's rules anymore. And, and so he went off. He said, give me, give me what's mine. And he went off. And man, it didn't go very well, did it? And it wasn't very long that he realized his life was all messed up and out of order. And he realized how good he really had it back home, right? And so he went home. But you must remember that when he went home, he could not go back home the same way he left. Right? When he went back home, he went back humbled. When he went back home, he went back as a servant. Instead of a son who thought he deserved everything. And I'm just saying, if we will do it God's way, if we will just submit to the Lord, God can bring order to your disorder. And it will amaze you. It will amaze you. And then there's something else that God did. God brought goodness to deadness. Look in verse 11 with me. Verse 11, the Bible says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb, yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb, yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Look in verse 21 with me. The Bible says, and God created great wells and every living creature that moveth, which the waters uh, brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Look in verse 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Look in verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And, and so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created, it, created him, uh, male and female created he them. And then if you look down in verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So God brought goodness to deadness, didn't he? Life arose in countless varieties and forms, vegetation through a garment of green over the vast areas of the planet that God had created. And it is estimated that there are more than 100,000 species of plant life on the globe. I think every one of them's in my yard. <laughs> the sky was taken over by birds and the, the seas swarmed with new life and the earth inhabited, was inhabited by creeping things. Man was created by, and man was given dominion over all of it. But listen, seven times our good God tells us that these things are good. 
They're good. And though Adam was monarch of all that he surveyed, though all things were under his feet, given dominion to him, though he loved God, obeyed God, daily fellowship with God, he ruled his vast empire alone. He was the king of an empty castle. He was. You see, the birds had companions to share their nests with. The foxes had mates to share their dens with. Only Adam roamed the world alone. And I, I mean, everything was good until it was not good. And if you look there in chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And so God wanted to, God wanted to show his goodness again. Amen? Men, that's where you're supposed to say amen. Right? And so one day, Adam awoke from a deep sleep, and what he saw must have made him think that he was still dreaming. There she stood, his counterpart, his helpmeet, the most beautiful thing of all creation that he had laid his eyes upon. And I believe with all my heart that the only thing that he could say is God is good. God is good. And that's what it all said here in Genesis chapter 1. That God is good. That is the message of Genesis chapter 1. God can bring goodness into your darkness. He can bring order into your disorder, and he can bring his goodness into your deadness. If you're not saved, he can bring life to your spiritual deadness. The Bible says, "In you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin. The person that is without Jesus, the person who does not know for sure that if they died right now that they were going to go to heaven, that person is spiritually dead. And he can bring life to that deadness. He wants to bring his goodness to that deadness. And if you're a Christian and you're not quite right, I mean, well, I should say you're a saved person. There's a difference between being a Christian and being saved. You know that, don't you? You can be saved without being a Christian. Because Christian means to be Christ-like. Living like Christ would have you to live. And maybe you're a, a child of God, but your life is not quite right. You know what the Bible says? For to be carnally minded is death. Do you know that carnality brings death wherever it is? Wherever it's allowed to live, where it's, wherever it's allowed to prevail, it will bring death. Mom and dad, if you're carnal, it will bring spiritual death to your children. It will bring spiritual death to your home. But to be spiritually minded, it says, is life. Right? You can 
Listen, he can save your soul. He can change your life. He can save your marriage. He can rescue your children. He can enlarge your career. He can put a spring in your step. He can put joy in your soul. God can do it. And you know what? If God could write Genesis chapter 1, he can write the next chapter of your life. And think about it. If God is able to create, he's able to recreate. He's able to change your life. And so this morning, God wants to bring his goodness into your darkness. He wants to bring his goodness into your disorder. And he wants to bring his goodness into your deadness. If you let him. God is good. He's, he's, listen, he's not rude. He's not going to barge in and twist your arm behind your back and make you do anything. He's good. And he loves you. More than anybody else loves you. God loves you. He created you. He brought you into this world. And he has a purpose for your life. And he wants to use your life for his honor and for his glory. And I promise you, if you let him do it, you'll never be disappointed. If you go your own route, I promise you, you'll be disappointed. But if you'll, but if you'll go with a good God, you'll never be disappointed. Let's all stand. With our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a, a moment, if you would, out of respect for each other, and uh, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's just a time when folks can come and pray if the Lord spoke to their heart. And but I wonder, with a crowd this size, there may be a very good chance that there's somebody here that does not know for sure in their heart that if they were to die, that they would go to heaven. And friend, it doesn't have to be that way. God is good, and he loves you. And that's why he sent his son to die on that cross to pay for your sin debt. He wants to save you today and change your life. I wonder this morning, just quickly, if there's anybody like that that would say, Brother Vaughn, I'm not for sure if I were to die that I would go to heaven would you pray for me? And I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out. I won't go to you. But I will pray for you. Is there anybody like that? Pray for me, Brother Vaughn, that I'll get that settled. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, I see those hands. You may put them down. I wonder if perhaps there's somebody here today and you'd say, Pastor Vaughn, Brother Vaughn, um, you're right. I, I know that I've been saved, but I haven't let God have his way in my life. And and I need him. Would you pray for me that I'll let God bring his goodness into my life? Is there anybody like that? Just slip it up. Slip your hand up right. Yeah, I see those hands. Several hands. Yeah. Father, we ask that just now in this hour that you would bless this time of invitation. You saw each and every hand that was raised. And God, you love them. 
You care about them. You know their names. You know where they live. You know everything there is to know about their lives. And yet you love them. And we pray now today that you would give them courage to place their trust in a good God. Help them to be willing to get that settled once and for all. We ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our brother's going to sing a verse of invitation. And if you need to come, I want to encourage you to come this morning. Let God have His way in your heart and life. And if you're not sure that you're saved, please don't waste another day. God in His goodness is offering to you His eternal salvation. How can you turn that down? Why don't you come and get that settled today before it's too late? If you're a Christian, you need to come. I encourage you. Let God have His way in your life. He is good. You can trust Him. You can walk with Him. And He'll never let you down. I promise you. Brother.